0: I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 187 Keeping Your Child Safe Around Water This Summer. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30 minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, my friends. Happy Monday. I want to start by saying up front that this episode is incredibly important, possibly even life saving. But it is also based around a truly devastating story of loss, and I want to give a trigger warning to anyone who has lost a child or who may not be in an emotional place right now to hear about a mother's heartbreak. Don't worry, there is also a lot of hope and resilience and tools in this episode, but I wanted to make sure that you weren't caught off guard by the emotional aspects of the story. Our guest today is Nicole Hughes, a mother of five from Tennessee, who's been through the unthinkable heartache of losing a child to drowning. In the summer of 2018, Nicole and her family were enjoying a beach vacation with friends when their three year old son Levi slipped away from the group as they were all preparing to go crab hunting and fell into the swimming pool at the house they were renting. Nicole found him within a minute or two, but it was too late, and her beautiful little boy passed away. Nicole has spent the last three years honoring her son's life by pouring herself into learning about water safety and improving education for parents and medical providers to keep more kids safe around water. She has successfully advocated to the American Academy of Pediatrics to update their guidance on drowning prevention, and today she'll be sharing with us some of the most important drowning statistics and water safety prevention measures that we need to know to keep our kids safe around water this summer. I want to thank Nicole Upfront for sharing such a tender and heart-wrenching experience with us, and I want to thank each of you for having the bravery to listen to an episode on such a difficult topic, because I truly believe informed parents can make decisions that save lives. I also want to thank the two amazing companies that are making this important episode possible. First, Bravery Magazine. This is an incredible quarterly print publication for girls and boys ages 5 to 12. Each issue is centered around a strong female role model and includes original stories, fun DIYs, hands-on STEAM activities, and delightful crafts that will keep your kids busy this summer as they dive into learning. Through each hero that's featured, children are introduced to different cultures, professions, life challenges, and human rights issues. I love that this magazine sparks amazing conversations with my kids about topics that we might not otherwise encounter or have a reason to talk about. I also love that each magazine is printed on thick, heirloom-quality paper with vibrant, unique illustrations. This is not a magazine that will get torn easily and tossed in the recycling bin at the end of the month. It's meant to become a permanent part of your children's book collection. You can go to braverymag.com to see all of the brilliant women who have been spotlighted in past issues, such as Jane Goodall, Ella Fitzgerald, Temple Grandin, and so many more, and choose a few to order for your kids based on their interests. Or even better, subscribe to Bravery to get every one of their issues going forward. I know you will love this resource for your family, and you can go to braverymag.com and use the code 3in30 for 10% off. That's braverymag.com and use the code 3in30. Our second sponsor this month is jane.com. I have loved getting to explore this online boutique marketplace over the past few months, and I'm thrilled that they are continuing their partnership with 3in30. Jane has women's clothing and accessories, home decor, and children's clothing and toys. Really, it has everything, but it's all curated to be good quality and aligned with the latest trends, which is good for someone like me who has a hard time keeping on top of all of that. Jane offers over 400 exciting daily deals from stylish brands, designer labels, and small boutiques. It's a place that brings the best of affordable style to one easy-to-navigate site. They also have a top-rated app that's perfect for busy moms. If you're sitting in the pickup line and suddenly remember that you need new bed sheets, I have been there, you can simply open the Jane app and navigate through it. When you open it up, you'll see the styles that might specifically interest you right at the top for browsing. And then there's also a super easy search function to enter what you're looking for and to see if they have any deals going on for that item at that time. If you're interested in checking out what jane.com has to offer, they actually helped me create a curated shop page, especially for 3 and 30 listeners, with some of my favorite items displayed. You can see the deals I handpicked for you at jane.com slash 3in30. That's jane.com slash 3in30. And now onto the show. This is How to Keep Kids Safe Around Water This Summer. Here we go. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on to 3 and 30 today.
1: Oh, I'm so grateful. I listened to all of your podcasts and this one just feels sort of like an extra special way to to get this message out. So thank you.
0: Well, you came onto my radar back when Levi passed away. I think it was, you know, on the national news or something. And my heart just went out to you from a mother to a mother, just the unimaginable pain that that must be to lose a child and watching you these last few years kind of channel that pain into passion and advocacy and education for parents and really wanting to prevent this kind of loss for other parents and make other children more safe has been so powerful. I'm so grateful for your work. Oh
1: my gosh. Well thank you. You know, honestly I think it takes courage for a mom to willing to be open-minded to hearing this. Seriously. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that you didn't run away from it and, and from the beginning mm. just just really listened. And so thank you. And I, I do hope, you know, there's so many things we worry about as parents, millions of things we worry about as parents, right? And so mm. this isn't about fear-mongering, it isn't about saying you should worry more about water. It's saying here's what you should worry about within water mm. and here's what you can do about it. Instead of it just being this terrifying thing that's sort of always looming over you well, let's take the statistics and look at those and really break down the key steps that you can take to keep your kids safe.
0: Yeah. And I will say that something that struck me when I read through your outline is just that we as parents worry about so many things, but the statistics actually really show that drowning, is it the most common cause of death or it's one of them? Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So actually this is sort of perfect for my first takeaway. My first takeaway number one, understand how drowning actually happens. Mm. The stigma around drowning that it's happening to neglectful parents who aren't watching their kids when they're swimming is really the greatest threat to drowning prevention efforts is that stigma because it is, it is really completely unfounded. And uh, with Levi, for example, he was our third child. The Sunday, June 10th, 2018, we were on a beach trip with our friends this was our seventh year in the same house, and we spent that entire day in the pool or, or in the ocean. And Levi was wearing a puddle jumper and a life jacket. You have 16 pictures of his final day of life, and in 14, he was wearing a puddle jumper or a life jacket. We took water mm-hmm. safety seriously. We were not neglectful parents. There's so much to this story, but we were on a vacation. We were waiting to go crab hunting, actually, that night. That's kind of what we were waiting on. And, and they were sitting outside on the balcony, and he was watching Daniel Tiger on my husband's phone. And I was worried about screen time. Hmm. And I said, Hey, he needs to come in because there's friends in here. Like he can watch that later. And so we brought him inside and he flipped Levi upside down. And he said, how many crabs are we going to catch tonight? And Levi said, so many dad. And that was their final interaction. Of course we didn't know, but we split this brownie with Levi and he was sitting on the couch. Room full of people. I wasn't drinking. My phone wasn't even in the room. It was charging in the bedroom. It wasn't on my phone. And I turned around and and I threw something in the garbage. Like it was nothing. It did nothing. But it was just that split second, you know. And even every single time I tell this story, every time, every time, even right now, I think it's going to end differently. It's going to end differently this time. This time we're going to see him. I'm going to see him get off the couch. And I'm going to stop him and I'm not going to think anything about it. I'm just going to grab him or I'm going I'm going to walk out 10 seconds earlier and I'm going to see him on the stairs or anything, any, any outcome, but the one that we got, which was I walked out onto the balcony to just check the weather, to see if it was still raining, if we could go crab hunting. And it's important that this note, I hadn't even finished eating my other half of the brownie. I mean, that's how fast it was. The stigma around drowning is so real, but it was was seconds. It was so fast that he somehow got off of the couch in a room full of people, slipped out the door, down a flight of stairs, and had made his way to the pool. That's where I found him. Mm. And I think there's this idea of like, you're going to hear them. You're going to hear noise. You're going to hear yelling and screaming or that, oh, it's okay. You can just do CPR. But we had six physicians on our trip, including my husband, who's an anesthesiologist. And he had immediate medical attention, immediate you couldn't get better medical attention than what he got and we still lost him a week later my husband found the statistics on the cdc website that drowning is the number 1 cause of death for toddlers 1 to 4 and it's the number 2 for all of childhood so 5 through 18 it's still the number 2 cause of death and when we found those statistics from the cdc on how and when drowning happens you know number 1 cause of death for toddlers 1 to 4 within that the majority of the time, at least 70% of the time, it is happening during a non-swim time. Mm. And that was really the kicker for us is we thought, how did we not know this information? You know, And so understanding how drowning happens, you really need to know the statistics for your child's age and where you live. I think so much the water safety advice we're given is, oh, watch your kids when they're swimming. It really is summed mm. up by that, wouldn't you yeah. say, right? Which, okay, Yes. But if you could just have a little bit of additional information, then you're going to be able to just take the actual steps you need to take to keep your child safe. Um, It's just like with car seats. You know, you have a different car seat recommendation for each different ages and different weights and different developmental stages, right? It's really the same thing with drowning. It's not just, hey, drive safely when you're in the car. Like that's, yes, that's one thing and that's overarching and that's great. But within that, you need to have these specific things. So knowing the statistics for your child's age, babies under age one are most at risk in the bathtub. And you know, how often do you say, let me just go grab this washcloth. Again, I think there's this idea that parents are just letting their kids take a bath alone and forgetting about them. And that, that isn't it at all. Or so often I hear parents who have filled the bathtub in for preparation, and then the baby's walking, mm. you know, or something and somehow finds their way to the bathtub or a ditch or a bucket or a toilet. That's really the most at risk for under age one, one to four. It's most often when not swimming, it's almost always when not swimming, Yeah just like Levi and slipped off the couch, the, the closest you would come to sort of like a swim time, because this does happen. The child is at a pool party or you're at the 4th of July picnic and they've been wearing a puddle jumper mm-hmm. and they take it off and they go inside to eat macaroni and cheese or you go to start loading the car after the picnic or you go to let the dog out, but the child isn't actually swimming. They've taken their puddle jumper off and you think they're not swimming anymore and they go back to the water. So that isn't even really swim time either, really, you know, but it's, it's in those in-between transitions. It's not when they're cannonballing off the side, you know, that's not when it's happening. Mm -hmm. And then for elementary age kids, it's usually natural water. It actually peaks again for teens in natural water. One of my friends, Dana, who lost her son Connor in a lake, and he was a wonderful swimmer and they always wore life jackets when they would go to the lake. Um, But he was with friends and they didn't require a life jacket and he jumped off a cliff. He was a great swimmer and drowning. There's no law of averages. It doesn't care how many times you jump in and come back. It's the one time you don't. Right. And Mm so with teens, it's, it's the opposite where toddlers at swimming pools, when not swimming, who can't swim with teenagers. It's almost every time natural water, strong swimmers during a swim time, but Mm. they, they don't wear their life jacket. So they're not wearing a life jacket because they think, oh, I can swim. Mm. You know, I'm immune to water. There's that whole peer pressure and the life jacket laws, you know, end at age 12, just some made up number. All of a sudden you're immune from drowning at age 12. <laughs> but the reality is that as the life jacket laws fade away, age 12, age 13, age 14, the drownings go up. I mean, mm. it's just, it, there's such a correlation with it. Yeah. I have a 12 year old. I understand there are other factors we're dealing with besides just put on your life jacket. But maybe today's not a lake day then if you can't wear your life jacket. And like I said, I get it. I'm not trying to be an unreasonable parent here, but it goes back to that number one takeaway, which is changing you know, how we perceive water and what we think drowning is and isn't and really instilling in our kids a respect for water. We do want our kids to know water is fun. But only once they are skilled, once they can survive in it. Mm. You know, we don't just hand our 12 year old the keys to the car and say, go drive, but we teach them how to drive. We teach them safe driving. And, and then we say, okay, you know, now you can do this with the car when you're 16. But with water, we just, we're teaching them to drown, essentially. We don't sit in a parking lot and say, come on in, it's really fun. We don't mm-hmm. put a bunch of guns out and tell our kids, we just want you to get comfortable around guns. But this is what mm. we're doing with water. And yet water is more deadly than parking lots and guns combined.
0: Wow. And I think the thing that really struck me about Levi's story is this aspect of that you guys weren't swimming, you know, of course he wasn't wearing a puddle jumper at that point. He wasn't even wearing a swimsuit, but he had spent all day having fun in the water And so he associated the pool with fun, and it makes total sense that he would head towards the pool, this fun place where he was, when he snuck away for a minute. And I also want to speak to how, as a mom, you can't watch your child every second. So I know, I mean, I can feel the pain and the regret that you have of how did we not see him but you have other children. You had all of your friend's children there. So it makes sense that he would sneak away for a second, which I think really leads into our second takeaway of, okay, after you've had this experience, what do you wish you would have done differently? I think leads really well into our second takeaway here.
1: Oh, that was a great question. And you know, you're exactly right. It's so easy to just say, oh, well, I always watch my kids. I mean, Levi was on the couch though. He was sitting on the couch, You know, ten feet away from me, the room was filled with people. You know, I've since read this line that said everybody is watching the pool, then nobody is watching the pool. And this yeah, yeah. is usually the settings when it happens when there's a big group of people when we were just sort of all busy like kind of just cleaning up and things and and it was so fast. But the second takeaway, what I wish we had really known with Levi is that we should have had layers of protection in place. Since toddlers most often drown when they aren't expected to be near water, those layers are so important. Looking back, there are so many things that we should have done differently. It was really, I hate to call it this because there's nothing perfect about it, but the perfect storm in a sense. The first layer of protection, supervision. We weren't not supervising him. We were all in the room. Tons of supervision. Too much supervision, I guess, really. So, but that layer failed. We did not see him slip out that back door. The door could have been dead bolted. It wasn't. Mm. It could have been a door alarm. But again, we were on vacation, so these weren't things that that we had. Now, of course, I could have even ordered portable door alarms off of Amazon for $15 you know, and brought them with us. Mm-hmm. I could have told, asked my husband, hey, go sit on the balcony mm-hmm. until we go crab hunting. I mean, but we didn't even realize we thought kids drowned when they were swimming. So it yeah. wasn't even like something that was like really
0: on our radar. And going back to the supervision bit, so what you're saying there is – When there's all the adults watching, none of the adults are watching, right? So when you're swimming, when you're around water, you need to have one adult that is in charge of watching the one child or designated the toddler because otherwise you think everybody's watching the children. Yes,
1: this cannot be emphasized enough during the transition times. I'm not Mm -hmm. even talking about when you're swimming. (laughs) It Mm -hmm. is when you go inside to eat lunch, it is when you go inside for the birthday party to open the presents. It is Mm. when you're packing up the car when the cookout is over and the two-year-old one. These are all stories. These are all the parents I know or the stories I'm telling you. It is when you're packing up the car from the 4th of July cookout and the three-year-old somehow makes their way back to the pool from the front yard where you you thought they were helping you load the stuff in the car. This is when it is happening.
0: Mm -hmm. Is another layer of protection like a fence or a barrier around the pool? yes. And you weren't in your own home, right? But would you say now? Would you advise parents never rent a home with a pool that doesn't yes. have a fence or some barrier around it?
1: That is a great question. You know, so Levi somehow slipped out unnoticed. No, no door alarm. The door was not deadbolted. The fence—it was a three-sided fence, so it protected mm. the pool from other people getting in, but it wasn't a four-sided fence. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a gate a that closed gate. it. Now they have since installed them at that house, but they did yes. not have those there. And then a pool alarm. Um, those There's mm, mixed reviews on those. you know. And the same with door alarms. A lot of times people turn the pool and door alarms off because they go off all the time. Those are not, I don't think, the best layers to have in place, to be honest. Which leads me to what is the most important layer, perfect for my third takeaway, which is Levi should have been able to swim. He should have been able to self-rescue at age Mm. three. There is no way around it. And all of those layers matter because if each one of those could have bought me 10 seconds, Mm. I only needed 30 seconds. I mean, I was I was right I was right there. I was ugh, I was so close. But that is really where the ability to self-rescue comes in. And so Mm. with ISR lessons, which we didn't have ISR at the time. I'd never heard of it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, tell us what that even is, because listeners may not know. So it is infant swim resource.
1: It is not swim lessons, um, in the sense that people think of swim lessons. It is teaches children to self-rescue in the water. So to how to the, the, basically it teaches them that you need air, and here's how to get it. So honestly, you know, my husband and I, and there is no blame placing, we failed to keep him safe. I mean, this ultimately was our responsibility to keep him safe, and we did not. But the only way we're able to still live is to know that we did everything we could with the information that we had. So in April of 2018, two months before we lost him, my husband and I stood in our kitchen. I had just taken Levi for his well-child visit. My husband said, what are we going to do about Levi and swim lessons? I'll never forget. We were standing in the kitchen. I remember exactly where we were standing. And I looked at him and I said, I don't know. I just don't think he's ready. And I actually looked up the, at the time, most recent AAP policy on drowning in swimming lessons. And it said to wait until age four or they were ready. And so- You looked
0: it up at that moment? Yes.
1: I have a screenshot of later when I went back where it said, you last visited this page on April 2nd, 2018. Yes. And we decided based on that, he was a boy. You know, our girls were very stereotypical girls who would like, oh, sure, I'll do something for a sticker, right? He was not going to do that. So we thought, well, we were just going to wait until he's ready to learn to swim. And we decided to not look into enrolling in swim lessons. And so I made the decision that we were going to keep him in a puddle jumper at all times because I said, okay, well, let's just wait until he's four to do swim lessons. But I want him to always associate water with the puddle jumper. I thought it was the best thing I could do. It says U.S. Coast Guard approved. And I would put it on him before I even like left the living room, the beach house. Like I wanted him to to know, never ever, without a doubt, don't get in without this pedal jumper. Because again, this is back when I thought kids drowned when they were swimming. So if I really had to say what are the two things I would have done differently with Levi, never put a pedal jumper on him ever and and enroll him in ISR in self-rescue lessons. Because what I now know about the pedal jumper, you know, parents see it and it says US Coast Guard approved on the label, right? And there's a picture of a kid jumping into a swimming pool. Well, and anybody can look this up. You can email the U.S. Coast Guard. They will tell you they do not approve or endorse or test items to be used in swimming pools. They only approve items to be worn on boats. So these Mm. puddle jumper companies are falsely Mm. misleading. It is is absolutely false advertising that they are implying that these are U.S. Coast Guard approved for swimming pools. It is just incredibly misleading. And that's actually the next sort of advocacy step that that I'm working on is with numerous other people is to get that removed because parents don't know it's sold at Target. Everywhere you go in the summer, kids are wearing these pedal jumpers. But what it does is it gives, not only does it give the muscle memory of kids being vertical in the water, which is the drowning position because what you want them is floating on their back, getting air, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it also gives a false sense of security and it contributes to that idea that water is fun. So Levi had only been in a puddle jumper. And in fact, the last video we have of him, an hour and a half before I pulled his body from this same pool, is an underwater video that one of the little girls had taken of him in his puddle jumper. And you see his feet and it goes up and then you see him bobbing up and down in the puddle jumper vertically. And he says, cheese. And he smiles. He had Mm. less than two hours left Mm. until he ended up back in the same pool because that's what he thought he would do. He thought he would bob back up to the surface. And Mm -hmm. the other layer of protection that we messed up that night was we always took the toys out of the pool and we left them in that night because it had kind of started Mm -hmm. to rain. And I feel pretty certain Levi, I do not, I just don't think he was going to go swim alone. I told him all the time that water was dangerous. He knew, he knew it was dangerous, but I had never shown him. So telling is not enough. You can't tell your kids, stay away from water. It doesn't work. What I did was tell him water was dangerous, but what I showed him was water's really fun and safe Mm -hmm. every time Mm -hmm. I put that pedal jumper on him. And so I think he was reaching for a water gun and fell in because he didn't have a healthy respect for waters. So now we since had two other babies Mm -hmm. and Willow just turned two in May and Teddy was born in December of 2020. So he's just a baby and they've been so special to us. And sorry, they've been so special to us. And so we had this sort of unique opportunity To approach water now that we know all of these things with Mm. these babies. And so, what what will we do differently with them around water? And, you know, just from a grief standpoint, we are so determined to live real lives. Like, we are not walking around some half version of a life. And that's not fair to Levi. It's that to do anything but live a full life is to dishonor him, honestly. And so, we will live a full life and our children will have real childhoods. My husband and I have said from the beginning that. When we, we only had the older girls at the time, our daughters who are now 12 and eight, and we are so determined they won't lose their childhoods too. And mm-hmm. so part of that means being able to have fun in water. Right. And so we are not running away from water, but we want to make sure now we know, you know, Willow's two, the number one cause of death for her age is water. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Teddy is almost six months. So what we will do differently with them is they will never wear a pedal jumper. And they are both enrolled in ISR lessons.
0: Okay. I've seen this on your Instagram and it's amazing. How does it differ from traditional swimming lessons?
1: So it's self-rescue lessons, essentially. it's not traditional swim lessons, especially for the toddler age group. You think of mommy and me, right? Like let's jump into mommy, let's blow bubbles and get comfortable around water. And it takes 14 lessons until you actually put your face in the water, right? Um, so what this does though is show children you're giving a toddler information about water that they deserve to have. It is unfair mm-hmm. for us to tell our toddlers and to show our toddlers that water, this deadly place is super fun and warm and exciting. Like why are we, that is unfair on every level for us to mm-hmm. only tell them that. So, but what ISR does is the standard is if you can you know, sit up then you can float. So if you can crawl, then you can roll to float and get air. And if you can walk, then you can swim. Swim, mm. float, swim. And, and it's really that roll to float that is the key component here, which Willow is already swimming, floating. She is getting air. She knows that she needs air, how to get it. It's at the surface and here's how I'm going to get it. And mm. it has been the most honestly empowering experience of my entire parenting journey to watch them just take on water and win. And beyond that to really now Willow's kind of broken through the learning to self-rescue part of it. And she enjoys water now. She can jump in and play with her sisters and, Mm. and she doesn't want to get in. And like, if she sees a ball there, she will come and get me before she reaches for it because she has a respect for water. I mean, that's what ISR has given her is not only the ability to find air and live, but to have this respect for the water. So, you know, if people are listening and they're thinking, oh no, and they're panicking because they don't have ISR, they don't have any of these things, you know, look for infant aquatics, there's survival swim development network. There are other avenues of this, but the key component, what they really want to look for in swim lessons for their toddler, especially starting at age one. And the AAP actually has lowered the emphasis and the recommendation is for toddlers to begin swimming around by age one, which is really exciting because if that's the age group most at risk, we need to really aggressively target that
0: age group, right? And just imagine... How that might have changed for you if you were standing in your kitchen and you looked up what the AAP recommended, and instead of seeing H four, you saw H one, that could have changed everything for your family, you know. And so this is an example of how what what I was saying at the beginning of how you've taken your pain and advocated for change for families. And I know you've come together with a lot of other parents who have lost children to drowning to make that happen, because I've seen these videos of your daughter in her lessons. She Crawls over, falls into the water, and she rolls onto her back and floats. Immediately. Breathes. It's amazing. And it, you know, her teacher's in the water a little ways away from her. You're on the side, and you just. As soon as you she's rescued herself, you can hear you and you just hold her and, and I'm sure there's tears and, but she knows how to save herself. She's been taught what to do if that happens. And it is, incredible it is incredible to watch it, to see. And I know some parents say that this could be traumatic for children. And what would you say to that? What do these lessons do for them?
1: That is such a good question. You know, and I I will validate, I understand if you only see like a few clips of somebody doing this and you see them crying, that there's this idea that it's, you know, traumatic. I will validate that. Let me validate that for a second. Okay, now let's push that aside because anyone who has completed the process of this will tell you we have to prepare our children for the path. We cannot prepare the path for our child, right? So this is what essentially this is doing. Think about all the times, like when they're crying in the car seat, I don't pull over, stop the car, get Teddy out of the car seat because he's crying and hold him while I keep driving because he's crying. Mm -hmm. I have to prioritize his safety over this, right? It's really the same thing. You know, we're giving them information about, Nope, I have to keep you safe in the car. So you have to stay in there. And so the the crying on that standpoint is kids cry. I don't know. Willow's too. I don't know what other people's two year olds are doing, but she cries a lot all Mm -hmm. the time. Like when she wants a cookie or when I give her a cookie and then she decides she doesn't really want the cookie. And then I take it back and then she does want it. Ah, I mean, this is sort of what, this is their favorite pastime. (laughs) And Willow's a great toddler, but this is just what it is. So I do think there's this idea of you have to sort of make a disconnect between the crying. And again, remember that this is a gift you're giving your kids. You are empowering them. They are so capable. And you are saying to them, I know you are capable of doing this. I'm going to step back. I'm going to let my desire to keep you safe. I owe it to you. I owe it to you to give you this information about water. And even though it might make me a little bit nervous, my desire to keep you safe is stronger and more powerful than me being a little bit nervous on the sideline. Mm -hmm. Because it is empowering for the kids to know they can do this. And it is empowering for the parent. For me to watch Willow do that, you saw me when you were sharing. I mean, I'm sitting here grinning about it. We're winning. She is taking on water and she is winning mm-hmm. with the MISR.
0: And how do parents find this type of water education in their area? Okay, so
1: this is great. So I would start with going to the ISR website and putting in the zip code. Um, then I know from a fact, from every time I share, that I'm going to get a million messages from people who say, We don't have it, and they're panicked. So there are some other things, you know, go. First of all, on my Instagram, I have several water safety highlights that do answer a lot of these things, like what to do if you don't have this in your area. Look, also there's Infinite Aquatics, Survival Swim Development Network. Those are two other ones you can
0: check. I will. I'll put this in the show notes for everybody too. Perfect. Thank you. And then
1: the the next step is, because I know because of the messages I get, that people are going to say, oh no, we don't have any of that. Don't automatically go to your local rec center or even to an expensive swim school and just assume that, oh, these will be great. It really needs to be private. There's, there's really no way around it. Mm. Once they can learn to swim, then you can go to a group. And I understand that then you're talking about a cost and a commitment, but think about it this way, pay that initial investment as far as time and money, and then learn to swim and learn to actually do this in four weeks to six weeks of daily six minute lessons, 10 minute lessons versus learning to swim spread out over every Saturday for three years. And nobody's really Mm -hmm. learning to swim, you know? Mm -hmm. So you should see progress in weeks, not in months and definitely not in years. And so if Mm -hmm. your swim program is telling you toddlers can't learn to swim in weeks, well, then what they're really telling you is I can't teach that. So then you need to hear, I need to go somewhere who can Mm -hmm. ask around, ask all of your friends, put it on social media, ask around. Does anybody know access to self-rescue lessons in our area? the question to really ask your swim instructor is, will these lessons teach my child to find the surface and get air independently? Mm. That's the magic question because that's all that really matters, right? I see some of the stuff on some of these YMCA and rec center websites where they practice floating on their back. Well, it doesn't matter if you can float on your back if you don't know how to get to your back. So Mm. it, it has to be very specific not just, are they self-rescue? Because people could say, sure, or whatever. This is a yes or no question. Will these lessons teach my child to get to the surface and get air independently without a flotation device and without a person? And if the answer is yes, then good. Let's say that you still don't have that. And I know because a lot of people are going to panic and say, oh no, we still don't have that. Or realistically, we can't make these lessons work. But also if you're going to Disney and you say you can't afford swim, then you're just prioritizing differently. So you need to get your priorities straight. Let's start there. But beyond that, if you still just absolutely do not have access to someone who can teach your child the self-rescue, do not automatically go to the mommy and me lessons because a lot of times those are actually harmful and they're teaching mm-hmm. kids that water is fun, but not giving them the skills. So don't do that. And also just don't put a pedal jumper on your child. Show them what happens when they're in the water. I don't mean like just drop them in there, you know, but let them understand you're not just going to bob back up to the surface. So these are things that are free that any parent can do, even without access to these lessons is just teaching Mm. your child. And I don't mean telling them people tell me all the time we tell them. Yes. I told Levi all the time. And what I told him, what I thought I was telling him correctly, he could repeat back to me. What would happen Levi? If you ever got near water, if you ever go in the water without me and he could say back, we'll never see each other again. And we'll be very sad. It wasn't enough for me to tell him. So you have to show your child, you know, make it a priority, put in the layers of protection. The other question I get all the time, well, I have multiple kids and they don't know how to swim. How do I take them to a pool without putting them in a puddle jumper? And I know this is going to be hard for parents to hear, but then maybe it's not a pool day. Then maybe it's a sprinkler day or a splash pad day. And I understand that as a culture, but that's our break, right? As parents, that's our play day. That's our parent play day. We want to go and hang out with the parents, but you have to shift, Mm -hmm. you know, so get your kids skilled. So they know how to swim and survive and then you can still go.
0: Yeah. And Um, until then have a different plan for social time Yeah, or bring a babysitter along with you to be dedicated. They know that is their responsibility to those children who don't have puddle jumpers on. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And it's just a season. It's not forever. It's this, maybe this is not your summer. Put that investment in and then next summer can be your summer. (laughs)
0: Yeah, absolutely. This has been so insightful. And I honestly think that this interview may save a few kids' lives this summer. I mean, that sounds dramatic, but I hope so. It's something that we'll never know. I mean, if you take the right precautions to keep your kids safe, you will never know exactly what might have happened if you hadn't done that. It's not like there's a moment when you realize, I'm so glad I paid. There may be.
1: I, I will say, I actually get messages from people who say, their child enrolled in, in ISR and just today I got a message. They were unloading the car from vacation and the grandma was in the room and they were getting all the stuff in the car and they realized the three year old was missing. And she said, I knew to check the pool first. And she ran under the pool. And because he had taken ISR though, he was just standing there, mm. not in the water.
0: And yes. because he wanted
1: to respect the water. And so but you're absolutely right though. That's not gonna happen to everybody. You're not always going to know.
0: You may have a moment where you realize, but you may never know that everything that you did really saved your child's life. And just like, we'll never necessarily know that all of the advocacy work that you're doing, like we'll never know the number of children that were saved because of your advocacy work. But I can tell you that there are going to be many families that are saved from the grief that you've gone through because of the way that you have channeled that pain and turned it into advocacy work and education. And I just can't thank you enough for your time and for your bravery in continuing to go down this journey in spite of the loss that you face to really continue to do this work. And thank you for coming on three and 30.
1: I just really appreciate that. And I appreciate this opportunity. And, and also just want to say thank you to people for listening, because I think it takes Mm -hmm. bravery to really be willing to be open-minded and change
0: your mindset around water. And, and also bravery to even consider that something like this could happen to your child. I mean, just going there takes a lot of vulnerability and bravery and courage. So thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you, Nicole. And we'll put all of the resources in the show notes. Thank you. I am feeling so inspired and touched after that conversation with Nicole. We covered so much important information for parents. And here's a recap of the main takeaways for how to keep your child safe around water this summer. First, understand how drowning actually happens. This means knowing the statistics for which situations are most dangerous for your child, depending on their age and even the region of the country where you are living. Remember, generally babies drown in filled bathtubs or buckets. Toddlers ages one to four drown in swimming pools, but when they are not swimming. And teenagers drown in natural water when they are not wearing a life jacket. Once you know these statistics based on the age in the region where you live, you can put layers of protection in place to address them, which leads to our second takeaway. Put layers of protection in place to keep your child safe. This looks like installing door locks and pool fences, always having designated supervision for children when they are swimming, and especially when they are not swimming but they are in transition times with the pool nearby, and always removing toys from the pool after everyone gets out. As you do these little things, they layer upon each other to really build safety for your child. And third and finally, the very most important thing you can do to keep your child safe around water is to teach them to swim and to self-rescue, starting at age one. Do not rely on puddle jumpers, which give them a false sense of security in the water, and build muscle memory for the up and down drowning position. Instead, get them enrolled in water safety instruction that will teach them to independently roll onto their back, float, and breathe when they are in the water. Friends, like I said to Nicole at the end of that interview, this episode really could save some children's lives this summer, and I invite you to share it with all of the moms in your life. If you are in a mom's group on Facebook, or if you have a text thread with girlfriends, please share this episode with them. As always, I want you to know that I deeply care about you and your children, and I hope that you are having a safe and joyful summer so far. Stay well, I'm rooting for you, and have a beautiful week with your family.